Takes podcast. You guys caught us on a rant as we entered in. Luke, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Got the got the drinks flowing. We are already 38 minutes into our conversation. I know. I think we forgot to hit record like 37 minutes ago and we just kind of kept rambling on. But that no, I honestly that happens with every single guest that we have on. We have like a pre-pre-podcast. Yeah. And right as we were like, we should get this going, we're like, fuck, we should have just been recording the whole time. Yeah. And that's why I hit record because we're just going on a rant about basically affording your business, affording your equipment. And we see it all the time. And, you know, Instagram is great for so many things in construction, but what I've seen and what you've seen is that it kind of tricks people into like, okay, I need to finance this. I need to finance this. I need this equipment to start my business. And then they start, they start going out doing some jobs. The payments are coming in, payments are coming in and they kind of figure out okay, well, I can't afford this because they didn't even look at their numbers and their profits of what it takes to afford something like that. Correct. You have to, like you and I were talking earlier, leveraging your debt, right? Don't just take on a shit ton of debt because you want cool things to show off on Instagram. Like that's not what it's for. That debt is supposed to make you money if you do take it on. And there is, I mean, a lot of calculators that you can go to on Google that'll kind of show you where you need to be. Like I relate it to buying a house. Have you ever tried to, I'm sure, well, Luke, you just bought a house yep. not too long ago, right? They, the extensive like background that they do into like your yeah. financials just to buy a house. And like, I think of my house right now and my, my 326 costs more than my house did. <laughs> so I'm just like, and, it, and those are a lot easier to get, but you gotta, yeah. you gotta understand that debt that you're taking on because a house you're paying off Say you have a 30-year mortgage. This piece of machinery you have in five years. Yeah. And right? Like those payments are big. You got to have the work for it. Yeah. And that's what I was just talking about because uh, what we say on this podcast, uh, you know, we were just talking about sometimes we do have to be a little bit careful of this isn't the end-all be-all of, you know, what we say or what we suggest. It There is, people are different. People have different bills. People have different personal lives. People spend differently. They go out and chase business differently. So what I was saying is that, uh, you know, somebody like you who has all this equipment, who has taken risks, have been backing it up with going out and getting the work to pay for the machines. And, and what we've seen in some unfortunate examples is that people will go out and go get that fleet or go get that machinery and then just expect the work to come to them. And then it's that very harsh reality of, oh, now we're screwed. We're upside down. And you know who's going to come get their money? It's, you know, it's Kat, it's John Deere, whoever you're financing through, they're not going to miss a step every month. No. And I mean, that was kind of a, it, that was a good like topic to start on because I have, and I'm not trying to say this as like a like a look at me type thing, but I have gotten a lot of messages. They're like, Luke, how do you do this? Like, I want, I want everything that you got. Like, that would be so cool to have, but I don't think people really understand. Like for three years, again, I was a sales guy. Yeah. Those three years I was, I was a W2 employee. I was making 250 to $350,000 a year. Yeah. I saved so much to where I could buy a lot of that. So yeah, I do. I finance a hundred percent. But I also have saved a lot in order to make that because I kind of saw an end goal. So everybody's cases is so different, right? If you're just starting out, probably don't go out and buy a $200,000 setup unless yeah. you have the work for it, right? 
So that's something that Luke, or obviously that we were talking about, like everybody's instance is different and you have to make what works for you. Work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's such, you know, you see both extremes too, because you see a lot of the issues of, you know, some guys that have really old, uh, they get, you know, they start renting they get the old machinery because as you've said before, like renting is great when you're starting, but it's like, it's not as cost-effective as it used to be. And it's like, all of a sudden you look at your numbers and you know, the whole point of this conversation is knowing your numbers, I would say, right. and knowing your bottom line. But when you go back and look at after you rent and you're like, damn, so I could have just financed something and purchased it and, you know, funded that 3k a month for the next five years. Correct. And one, you know, this is not a shot in the, you know, not a shot at anybody in the financing or banking industry, but as a banker, they want to loan you money, right? They're going to do what they can to get you that piece of equipment. Just because you get approved for it does not technically mean you can afford it. Dude, that's the truest thing. Even like when you're buying a house, which like you mentioned is uh, they do more due diligence. They approved us for way more than we could even afford. And we're like, we're looking at it. We looked at our you know monthly income and we looked at what the mortgage would be. And I was like, you know, like, it's like okay. 50, 50% of what we made. And I was like, okay, we're not going to do that. And so yeah. you just have to have the uh, awareness and the wherewithal to be like, okay, where are we at? What is my significant other and my goals? If you have kids, like what, you know, you got to think the big picture and not just take somebody's advice on Instagram or on a podcast. But what you can do is take that as a recommendation and as an option and price out your options because everyone's situation is different. Everyone's business is different. And Luke, I'm really glad you brought it up, you know, a couple months ago, you're just like, you know, we, sometimes we do have to be a little careful about what we say because it's, we can't, we don't want anyone to come back and say, well, yeah, but Luke P said to finance, you know, 10 buy an equipment and yeah. now, and now my wife and I are homeless. Correct. So again, everybody's case is different to where figure out your numbers, figure out your bottom line, figure out what it's going to cost you to own that machinery, not for just the working months, but 12 months out of the year, right? Because yeah. there is going to be downtime. And I, that is overlooked a lot because I mean, people call me and they're like, Luke, I got this, you know, 50,000 square foot concrete removal project. I'm going to buy this breaker. It's going to pay for itself you know, over this period. I'm like, okay, great. If it pays for itself, are you, do you have more work lined up for that piece? Or is this like a one-time deal? Why would you not rent pay, you know, for the attachment itself, you're going to pay more, but you're probably going to make more on the back end, And then you're not going to have this large lump sum piece of equipment, just sitting around waiting for another job like that. Like to me, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And I think just, yeah, just knowing like what you have in the pipeline and what you can go get as well. And then at the end of the day, you can make as much or as little revenue as you want, but like there has to be some prop, some profit that spits out eventually. And like, that is what you keep. That is what you inject back into the business. That is what you are, um, you know, bringing in more resources, more attachments, more equipment. And so like we, we, at some point we have to get to a profit and get from, you know, a negative profit to positive cash flowing business. Correct. And I mean, cash flow is a huge topic. I was talking to, so lately we've been doing succession planning 
we'll yep. I'll meet with my accountants and then my bankers like every every other week basically because Cole and I have some things that we really want to try to work out. So we figure out these succession planning and um they were telling me like Luke, you know, year to year, your first five years in business are critical, right? Because within five or within that five years, if you do not turn a profit after that fifth year, your business is it's in trouble. Right. And then that's where it kind of goes to, you know, the what is it? The 50 percent of businesses survive between the one to five, the 35 between five and seven. And then it's like 22 after that. That's because those businesses are not making money, but they're adding more of these assets to their bottom line to make it look like they're growing, but they're not growing. They're just screwing themselves. One thing that I always loved is the people that think it's the best in business to never pay any money in taxes. I just, that gets me every time where they're just like, they always try and zero it out to where they have $0 to pay in taxes. I'm like, well, and I get it too. Obviously there's assets, there's write-offs, there's equipment, but it's not a bad thing to write a check to taxes because you've made so much profit and so much money that like you have to pay some taxes on it. So I always think that's, kind of funny is that some people focus, especially when they're starting out, they focus too much on not spending some thousands of dollars in taxes instead of focusing on like, okay, how can we go increase this top line, increase our bottom line? So we're making money and we do have to pay taxes. Correct. If you're not paying taxes, you're not making money. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. I don't care. I don't care who you are, but if you're not paying taxes, you're not making any money. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, you've learned that of course, and like, we've learned that in business and we paid some of our biggest tax bills, you know, of course this year was our biggest tax bill, but it's like, that's what you plan for. That's what you look at, you know, each quarter you put aside money for taxes. And I know it, it sounds easy. And for a lot of people, it's very difficult, but you just, that money is not yours. That's how I look at it. And so I just kind of get it out of my account right away and, and put it away. And then that way the, the tax bill isn't as big of a crusher to us at the end of the year, but paying more in taxes, isn't a bad thing. It just means you're making more money. And of course you want to have somebody in your corner, an accountant that can legally like find these loopholes, because if you can, like what we did this year is like, there are certain charities you can write checks to, and you'd rather it go to them than that same one-to-one dollar going to the government. So Mm -hmm. You want to legally do everything you can to lower that tax bill. But uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be paying something in. You're going to be paying something. Yeah. But I like how you said, you know, there's that charity option to where you can pick to donate to the charities. And then I, I think that's a hundred percent write off, correct? Yep. Yeah. It's one to one. And um, so, yeah, basically my accountant, I think we had, it was like I don't know, five or 10 K or something. And he was just like, um, you know, we still paid a lot in taxes, but he's like, yeah, basically like, you can pay 10K to these different boys and girls clubs across Phoenix, or you can write it to um, the IRS. Like it doesn't matter. It's going to be the same anyway. Correct. Like, screw that. Do Let's something good with it. Send it to the kids, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I like that. That kind of brings us into a good topic too of what we were talking about earlier, Luke, is kind of like the changing markets, right? Yeah. I think obviously I'm, I'm victim of it, but I, you know, off our social medias, we show off our equipment, right? That's what we do. We show off our capabilities. We show off the capacity that we can do. We show off of, you know, all of the cool stuff. But I think, I think that does damage sometimes and gives people kind of a false reality. 
But that also plays into, you know, the work side of things right now too, to where we do have a changing market. And I'm seeing it in the residential industry and the commercial industry right now to where just because you have availability, like it was the last two years, does not mean you have the project anymore. Now it's becoming more and more aggressive and we've seen it because, and I'll, I'll throw this out. We've, there's a guy that, you know, Trevor, our estimator, he is down with his numbers. He is spot on with his estimating and we're able to basically dissect other people's bids after a project is, you know, awarded or whatever, they'll send us what's called bid tabs. And Trevor will go through it and he'll be able to kind of reverse engineer what those numbers were. And there's people bidding projects where I'm at at 8%. And I'm like, why the fuck would you bid projects at 8% right now? Like they're, they're still in abundance of work. Don't get me wrong, but I think right. you're going to, I think that kind of falls into the creativity space to where in these projects, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative in order to make up some of that dollar amount, right? I don't want to say sacrifice your margins, right? but I do want to say, you know, again, get creative with it. And I'll, I'll share an example here of how we're trying to get creative. Um, there's two projects going on basically right around the same time. Um, ironically, and I don't know if this is by fate, luck, chance, however, but we're exporting about, I think it's like 10,000 cubic yards from one project but then there's another project that needs exactly 10,000 cubic yards to build up crazy. and it's all the same material. So it's like, okay, how can I make this work? Can I, and obviously we'd have to get both of them for it to make it work. So you got to be careful by not giving too much right away. But I, th there's a way to basically kind of supplement that to where you can make a little bit more money on that project. And it's identifying those things within the bidding process that'll keep you on top. Were you able to like in those two scenarios, like go to one of them and say, Hey, there's an opportunity where if I get this and I get this other one, there's a chance I could like save you some money or save time. Or like, is there an opportunity to like bring them in on that to like sway the decision or how does that part work? I th you got to be very careful on that. Yeah. Right. Because there's, there's private and public public, not a chance. They don't care. Your number is your number. Right. Yeah. But if there's private and if you have a good relationship with the contractors, I think you can mention it to them and say, Hey, you know, here's where I'm at right now, but the possibility of this project going on, I might be able to save you, you know, this much on this portion of that project, obviously bid it as if you can't, right. but if you do have that ability to, you know, that might help sway a little bit as well. And not, not saying you need to do that to buy these projects, right. but I do think maybe that'll help with the vested interest to be like, okay, well, how, you know, maybe they have a, you know, and it's a gray area, right? Because it's not yeah. fixing the bids and it's not fixing the numbers. Um, but there is instances like that, that can help you maybe get projects awarded to you. Yeah. And it's like you mentioned too, you're not um, sacrificing your margins necessarily. You're just kind of zooming out a little bit and saying like, okay, is there something else, you know, we can look at or something else we can do or somebody else we can put on this to maybe change up the numbers a little bit or to uh, shine a light onto us a little bit more of like, Oh, this would actually be, be much easier to go with this company and way less of a hassle because they could take care of this, this, and this, and just different creative ways um, to kind of get into that. And I think, yeah. And, and Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like since like probably it was 2020, just like the boom of construction and probably coupled with, um, the economy. And it was just like, everyone was booked out. 
no matter what. Like you could just, you get a phone call and people would be like, I have this project. It needs to be done at this time. Can you get to me? Yep. And you would get the project. Right. Right. It no longer like that. And there's still, I mean, there's still a lot of spending because the COVID dollars, there's so much, you know, I I don't want to say COVID money out there, but there is that has to be spent on the infrastructure because if they don't spend it, then it gets taken back. Right. So there's still really good opportunity in the space, but I'm just, you know, looking kind of outside and seeing there is a shift happening. Do you think there uh, contractors are more susceptible, like a, a smaller business, like the one man show or like the bigger companies that are doing, you know, 50, 60, hundred million a year. Like who, who's more susceptible to those, some of those changes, do you think? I think a lot like the big infrastructure jobs, those 50, $60 million companies, there's still a lot of work in the pipeline just because right. of what is backlogged from that 2020 timeframe. And the government spending for development, right? Right. So I think though that's a pretty safe era where I see issues is obviously in the residential space, you know, there isn't as much affordability. So yes, home sales are down, right? That's, that's a given. So money is a little bit tighter. I'm not saying there's a recession. I'm not saying there's anything like that, but again, that's where the creativity piece comes in to where you're going to have to start probably knocking on some more doors and maybe, you know, showing yourself off to where we would, you know, we want your business. Because again, in the last three years, there's been a lot of people that have just brushed these contractors off and they've stayed loyal to them because that was kind of like their only option at the time. But now it's like, there's an open door to show, hey, I want to take care of you and your business, but it has to be, you know, presented the same way as well. So do you see that there's a difference between and maybe more from your personal experience but you know between western and black iron you know more residential and commercial do you see that uh there's a difference there and something changing or oh yeah big difference like our our residential crews are a lot slower than our commercial crews right now so we're kind of mitigating a lot of the residential guys into the commercial side just so they can get that experience i mean the commercial side is seeing it too but you're going to see it a lot more on the privately funded projects i see you know like slowing down on the privately funded or I don't want to say slowing down, but yeah. I want to say value engineering comes to mind when I think of that, right? There's going to be contractors that are going to ask, how can we make this project cheaper? Hmm. Right. And, th- and that's a thing in the market to where, again, getting creative, that's how you're going to be able to work with your contractor and say, well, hey, you had an over X of four feet here when you realistically only need two. If we go two feet and you supplement with a solid base at a 95% or whatever it might be, it's going to save you this much and run it by your engineer. You know, that's how they're going to be able to save money. And then that's how they're going to be able to have these projects go. It's no longer, I need to get it up ASAP. I don't care what it costs. Now it's kind of diving into the numbers and seeing how can I make this project more affordable? I gotcha. Yeah. So you know, rewind back about 20 minutes. And, you know, what we were talking about is knowing your numbers and that's Mm -hmm. essentially what it seems to all come down to. But when you know your numbers, you can get more creative, you know, Mm -hmm. back to the second point of, okay, I know what my costs are. I know we're not going to lose money. I know we're not going down to 6% margins here and, you know, like uh, hurting the industry, but it's like, okay, well, how can we still make a healthy profit, cover our overhead, cover our profits, cover everything. 
and get these bids and get these jobs and continue growing our business while others are maybe throwing random darts at the wall. Exactly. And it's, it's really kind of taking that step back and just observing some of these things at hand and honestly doing your research, know what's going on in your area, you know, maybe join the home builders association, because I know ours in Fargo here, they have like, it's almost like a webinar to where they kind of show you what other, you know, they present basically other people's opinions that they've perceived on what's happening within the marketplace. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's time to start stepping up like for anyone listening that maybe hasn't had to like, you know, kind of extend themselves and like join some of these uh, associations and like kind of start uh, shaking hands with certain people's, you know, just to like network and, and get more of those contacts. Like maybe this is the season of just, okay, well, let's do a little bit more than just, you know, answering the phone and completing the projects. Correct. I think the value of knowledge is what's going to take people to the next step in this upcoming industry. And again, I, I'm not a, I'm not a financial guy that can oversee all of this. Right. But I'm just speaking from my point of view to what we're going to try to do is I want us to know the process inside it out, know what it takes. So we know our numbers when that comes. Cause then if there say there is questions and say somebody, you know, bids us out by, you know, $75,000. And I call the contractor up and I'm like, Hey, you know, are they doing this, 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 do they have this in there? Or did they overlook this? Did they look at, you know, section C of 2.8 a, you know, did they see underline that you have to overrec or, you know, whatever it might be. But I think understanding the process and then obviously your overall knowledge is what's really going to help you excel. Yeah. I, I, uh, I just wrote that down just because it could be a potential title name for this episode, value of knowledge. I think, uh, yeah, you've been killing it lately, but we'll, we'll see if it makes the cut. We'll see if it makes the cut. Well, you've got the last like three of them. So I better step up a little bit. Yeah, We'll, we'll see if it works, but um, I, uh, I don't think I told you this yet, but tomorrow. So uh, this is Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday and episode just came out on Friday. But tomorrow I'm recording with uh, Jeremy and Steve on the the Snow Jobs podcast. The snow Jobs. What do you guys? What's your topic? Are not allowed to say yet. Oh yeah, I can say. So they because uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but it'll be maybe like next week or something. But yep. um, yeah, Steve and had reached out, and also I had uh, hung out with Jeremy at your wedding. At the wedding. Yeah. Dirtbag Jeremy. We had a couple of drinks together, which is a good yep. time. He he broke it down too on the dance floor. So it's fun hanging out with him, but talked to Steve uh, today and he reached out and just said, it'd be fun to like uh, tab me on just to like nerd out and dive into digital marketing. But um, I'm really excited because I think I come at an angle of like, I don't just want to sell our stuff to anyone. It's like, there's a, there's a certain level you and I talk about all the time. There's a certain level of bootstrapping you need to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's from zero to $400,000 a year then there's a certain level of like, okay, can we bring somebody in to just do this on the side, yep. bring on an agency. And then of course, as you go up the ladder, there's, there's other options as well. So I'm excited to, to talk with those guys and it'll, it'll be fun, but I've been binging, binging some of their episodes and on, you probably, I don't think you've listened to it yet, but um, they had uh, Clark companies on from Elk River, Minnesota. Yep. And 
they gave you a big shout out on your wedding. I did hear that. So, Steve yeah. messaged me and was like, hey, go listen to this episode at this yeah. time, Mark. And I was like, okay, perfect. And it was, they were talking about weddings and they're like, well, if we're going to give this guy a shout out, we better give Luke and Riley a shout yeah. out for their wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you were the second guy. So you were like yeah. second on their mind, but they still give you really, you and Riley a really nice <laughs> shout out. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously huge weekend, huge day for you. Congratulations again. Uh, yeah. Obviously I got to go and celebrate with you guys and beautiful wedding, you know, Riley looks beautiful and you've got a honeymoon coming up next week too. So we do. We do that. Um, it'll be interesting because there's a shit ton going on, but to your first points, yes, the wedding was super fun. I appreciate everybody that came and showed up and hopefully they had as many drinks as they could handle that night. So, um, no, it was, everything went great. People stress about the weddings and both Riley and I, at the end of it, were like, that was perfect. Yeah. No complications. All went well. We had a blast. Um, but yes, the honeymoon, um, again, this is Tuesday. We leave Saturday for a week down in Florida and it'll be interesting. I told Riley, I said, I'm going to be, I, I'm all there for you. Like this is our time, but I'm like, if there's a phone call, I, yeah. I gotta take it, you know, yeah. and it's not me not being able to disconnect from work. It's yeah. me not wanting to disconnect to make sure that everybody has what they need to keep going. 100%. And like you mentioned too, you know, you'd kind of brought that up to Riley and totally fine with it because it's not like you're going to be working 12 hours a day. It's like if somebody has an issue that can be resolved with a phone call for five minutes, you might as well take it instead of letting them suffer and let the, let the shit burn for, you know, th until you get back. Exactly. And I think kind of like what we were talking about, and this brings a good, you know, us into our next topic here. But I think we've got or we've developed a really good team between the two companies that the guys don't need me as much. Yeah. If they need clarification on something or if they're unsure, I always say, call me. Right. No issue. Like I'm I'm just a phone call away. That I have no problem with. But we they I shouldn't say we, they do a really good job at delegating responsibilities within themselves and understanding their job descriptions so they know what their job responsibilities are. Right. hundred percent. And just like, I mean, you got the whole squad too. And like, they're just a bunch of awesome, awesome guys. And, you know, I got to hang out with most of them at, at your wedding too. And it's, it's cool to see, uh, the involvement that they have with the company and the ownership that they, that, that they, they feel take. that they take with the company. And it's just, you know, you just see it, you see them, you know, wearing the merchandise, like I'm talking to them, like they, they really do love what they do, but I, I don't think that happens just in a normal job. I think it has to happen in like, there has to be some sort of vision for them of like, yeah, this is like, this is your this baby. Is where we're too. Going. Yeah. You know, this is where we're yeah. going. Yeah. This is where I want to take you with me. And so mm -hmm. I know that's been a big piece of your recruiting, I guess you could say, is just like having that in store for them and running your business differently than maybe some older companies have always ran their companies. I think appreciation goes a long way and I'm, I'm not going to get into how we built this incredible business, which we have, but I think just appreciating the guys that show up day in and day out and just letting them know goes, you know, a long way. If they make yeah. a mistake, understand that mistake happened, right? Let's, let's figure it out. What needs to be done to correct it. Let's figure out how not to make it again. Right. Yeah. There was an instance, there was a guy, I, I can't remember the exact, what happened. Um, I think he busted a culvert or something, just being yeah. reckless on 
one of the minis and he called me um, and basically was like, I fucked up, you know, we got to replace this. And he was expecting, <laughs> what does he call it? He calls it a fuck. It's a really, it's like a funny expression. I got to think of it. Um, oh yeah. He, he goes, I was expecting you to slap my pee pee really good on this one. <laughs> and when he told me that, dude, I busted out laughing. I'm like, I'm not going to do oh. that, nor am I going to chew your ass. Just go get a new culvert and don't break this one. And he's like, honestly, in a past employment, I would have got my ass reamed. Because, I mean, culverts are expensive. They're like 45 bucks a feet or a foot, yeah. you know? But yeah, I mean, that's just a funny term if you guys ever need it. Oh, dude, I'm dead. Because the only thing that went in my head was like slap on the wrist. Like, I don't know what other funny yeah. thing. No, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start saying that yeah and yeah so that that's my new favorite to go by um but yeah anyway just just appreciation goes a long way um but enough about me luke i want to kind of dive into your newest addition to the phaser team because again that kind of plays into building your team so you can step away so you can overlook where your weaknesses and then your strong points are in the business and you can develop off that yeah man uh last week, last Monday, super stoked. But, um, you know, anyone that's worked with us has probably met Josie Sanford. Uh, she's basically worked with me and phaser for two and a half years. So phaser is only about three and a half years old or so. And so she's basically been there from the start and, uh, we brought her on full-time as our director of operations, you know, full-time salary, you know, all that good stuff, 401k. And, and so it's like a big step for us as a company, you know, like, that's actually our first time or first full-time employee. We have mm -hmm. a team of about 15 subcontractors that are absolutely incredible that have worked with me over two years. Yep. And, but really taking that next step of like, okay, how do we bring somebody on to, you know, run the business and not just the big piece of it is to help me step away from the internal stuff. But the bigger piece is to over deliver for our current partners and our current clients and and more organization internally because as you know when you're running a business that isn't massive yet you're you're kind of wear a lot of hats and so for me I'm not a huge operations guy I am more of a podcaster I love talking to people I love calling like all of our clients and just talking business you know letting that flow I love selling I love speaking, um, all that kind of stuff. So to have somebody where if you and I are on a call and we're talking business, we're talking strategy, and then Josie's on the call as well, she can then take all of that information, bring it to our team and then implement it. And that's yeah. been the biggest piece that I would say that we've been missing is it's been me taking all that, bringing it to our team, implementing, and then jumping on, you know, a bunch of calls and then taking that and just it's, it's the rat wheel. You know, you work a lot of hours, which is great. And I love it, but we're not running max efficiency for our clients. And I, I think that's why I'm so excited about it is just, okay, now instead of her working, she's working about 20 hours a month as a consistent subcontractor, uh, you know, 1099 contractor. Now she's working 160 hours. So it's like, shit, we have so much more we can do instead of things taking three days, it takes 45 minutes because she just, that's her full-time job. So it's really provided me and our whole business and all of our clients with a whole lot more 
stability, communication, clarity. And uh, yeah, we're just, dude, I'm stoked to just double down on business, double down on everything we're doing, dirt bags, like everything moving forward. Well, just that being said too, it's, it's cool that you recognize like, Hey, Josie is way better at the organization piece than I am. And this is what this business needs in order to succeed. You don't have the mentality of, well, I built this business off things that I did. One, I can't fucking stand that because that just tells me that person's a micromanager and doesn't want to grow. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think my biggest skill set is knowing that I don't know at all and I'm actually pretty bad at most things. And, but that's actually helped me probably the most to build a business and build a company and build systems that don't necessarily need me on every single call, but it's like, okay, I'm not the smartest one in the room. Who, who's smarter than me with SEO? Who's smarter than me when it comes to graphic design? Who's smarter than me when it comes to web design? Let's bring these experts together. Then I can manage all that because that's what I like to do. And that's what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people. I love strategizing. I love looking at businesses from an outsider's perspective, especially of course, like excavation companies. And so like, that's what I'm going to focus a hundred percent of my time on now. And then just keep building that instead of being, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying I was buried in the work, but it was, it was a lot more than I should be doing. And I was like, okay, I'm not even qualified to be doing some of this stuff. So let's bring somebody in. That's, that's uh, much more qualified than I am. And when you taking a step back and like understanding, I am not the person for this job. This is my company, but I am not the person that can be running this company as effective as this person just shows like how smart you are, right? In a lack of better terms, because again, take it back to the old school way of, well, I built this business off doing everything myself, blah, blah, blah. Me thinking, I'm like, I know where my weaknesses are in a business that if somebody's trying to ask me, it will take, say, say GPS stuff, for instance, right? Bring it back to the excavation. If somebody's asking me questions about how to set up any of my GPS stuff, I'm like, I better not be the one answering these fucking questions. Right. Because I will make this company look like a fucking idiot. If I'm answering these questions, I want the person that knows this way better than I do. Right. Like Ryan, the other day we were talking about plans and we got to, there's these ponds that we have to get to a certain grade, whatever. And we don't have our 3d machine for that. And he's like, Oh, I'll just take this hub transferred over to this one, match my slope over to this. And I was like, what? Go for it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yeah, dude, sure. If that works, go for it. But it was fun to like, see how knowledgeable he is in that aspect to where I'm like, okay, if I ever have a question on anything, I know where to go. Secondly, if somebody has a question on that to where they want clarification, I also know where to go with that question. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned before too, it's, you know, sometimes business owners, yeah, they just, they, they have so much pride in like, I built this business, I'm going to run it. And you know, I almost look at the opposite of like where we want to go in the future. It's like, I, I can't be at the helm doing everything. And so, um, yeah, like this is just like a, it, it, you know, I'm not even going to downplay it. It was a huge move for us and it was a huge step in the right direction. And, you know, the goal is to have Josie know everything that I know, yep. everything from like our margins, our, you know, uh, billing info, our strategies, our mission, everything. So she can see that vision and be me internally, but also to, to help build out those systems. So 
if if ever she Hopefully gets to be a better version of you right absolutely that's a hundred percent it and because if it were me and i was saying i built this business and i'm gonna do that it mm-hmm. we couldn't get to where we want to go and that's the big thing is just understanding that as a human yeah what your strengths are and what you can do and where you're best placed and then bring in the other people to uh you know, to, to fill in those gaps. And so I also realized too, is that on the flip side, not everyone is an entrepreneur, not everyone is a, you know, a visionary, I guess, or a business owner and wants to take on that risk or wants to take on, you know, everything that comes with owning a business with which most people listening here understand. And so that flip side of like, okay, well, I can give this person a job where they can thrive and be their best self. Um, Without because, having the risk. Exactly. Because they may not want to own a business. And I know you and I had talked about that too, of like, you know, it's always a fun conversation talking about benefits, profit sharing, giving equity. Um, and it's something that's always on the table. Like you and I are so creative. I feel like that we'll do almost anything, but it, it has to make sense for the business because at the end of the day, the business needs to keep succeeding for everyone to be fed. hundred percent. And that that was a really good point that you made. So building your business foundation on trust, right? There there are times, we'll take that back to your comment of, you know, not everybody wants to be a business owner, which is 100% true. Because remember in the webinar that we just had, Aaron said that. He's like, you were thinking as a, I don't remember the question I asked, but he's like, Luke, you were thinking as a business owner. Not everybody wants to be a business owner. Yeah. And I was like, I loved and how he clapped back at you for that because it was, dude, it was a great, so fast. it was a great correction because the question you asked was very valid, but then he, he's like, he stopped it right there. And he's like, you're asking this from a perspective of everyone wants to be a business owner. Correct. And like, that was so enlightening. Cause I'm like, that's so true. Like there right. are people that don't want to be business owners. They just want to have a good job, good paying job where they're taken care of and they matter. And I mean, I wouldn't have seen that unless he would have really called me out or put me on the spot at that. So yeah, Aaron, if you listen to this, thank you for that. But it's, it's so true that that's why you do have to build your business on that foundation of trust. These positions that you fill people in that are key positions, you do have to trust them. Not saying all of them are going to work out. There will right. be some that come and try to learn everything they can and start their own hundred percent, but you can't focus on those people. You got to focus on building the others. Just focus on building your company. Right. And, you know, for me, it's more of like just a ratio thing of, you know, for us, it probably wouldn't make sense to give away equity. And like, I, I mean, it's my own business, so I don't, I can do whatever I want, I guess. But for me, it's like, it, if we're just continuing to crush it and whoever's working full time is going above and beyond and is bringing in X amount of revenue, like why not do like some sort of profit share? Why not do bonuses where they're succeeding just as well as the businesses? And so I'm kind of on that, the fence of like just the uncapped potential, like let's build something special together and like blow it up because um, I feel like that's how you keep people interested and happy, but then the appreciation goes so far. And, you know, you, you've been solid with that of like building your team and like just there are certain instances where money isn't everything and you do need to show them more than just like a raise or a raise for inflation or whatever it is, a bonus. But even like the Christmas party, like Christmas parties are great, but sometimes you have to do more than just that. You got to do more than a fucking pizza party, right? You got to make it, you got to make it valuable to your team to where it's going to benefit them. That might Um, be the title. 
Yeah. I don't know what you're going to take for a title on that one, but okay. Um, fuck. Now, what was I going to say? We were talking about doing more for, oh yeah. Um, for the people that are listening that are working for somebody right now, there is, and I think I've said this in a previous podcast, but just the opportunities out there with companies like yourself, Luke, to where you're like, I will pay you stupid yeah. amount of money if you can prove that you want to build this business with us and you have, you know, you're proving that you can build it with us, you know, there. And I think that really kind of translate into a lot of construction, you know, companies right now too, to where if you're valuable, they're going to show you that you're valuable, right? They're going to pay you what you want. You're probably going to get more incentives. You're, I mean, the possibilities right now are huge right. in the construction space. Yeah. And just like, also, it's not all the grass isn't always greener too. And I think right. a lot of people see that when they start in a company that is giving them all of these opportunities and then they leave to let's call it $10,000 more a year. It mm. sounds great. And then when you see it on your paycheck and then you see how they're treating you or they see that you don't see the vision, they're like, okay, this is like an extra 500 bucks a month. Like what's going right. on here? So it's, really it's it's not all about the money but like when you're in a company too you need to kind of look at the whole picture of like can i grow am i happy am i enjoying the work do i have a say in anything and that also comes to like you don't want to be entitled you can't just start a job and expect to have a say in everything you do have to work your way up to that you do you, there there's a ladder that you have to work your way up no doubt but I also think it's your employer's job to build some sort of succession plan for yeah. you within the company, right? There's got to be some sort of ladder that you can climb that you can see like, this is my next step of opportunity with this company. Right. This is where this next step will bring me. And then the step after that, right? I feel like, I don't want to say good companies do that, but good companies do that, right? They, they try to paint that picture for their employees where this job can take them, right? Yeah. And for a lot of us business owners, like we just never had any experience with that. And so I think it comes a bit more naturally when you just care for people and you're like, yeah, yeah I mean, what, why, why would I make your life shitty when you right. come to work? Like what I need you, I want you to work with me. I want you to be successful. I want you and your wife to buy a home someday. You know, there's, there's just other things when you just think about the person that's working with you, the person that's working for your brand and your business that's helping build this legacy and just having the respect for those people can go so far and just treating them like a human being um, and doing things that, you know, they may not expect and doing things that aren't in their paycheck, I think can, yeah, it can definitely go a long way. hundred percent. Just valuing them as a person is huge. There's a, there's a guy that's coming on that we just took on here. He starts here. Well, he'll technically start tomorrow. We're having him out because he's he's got his water sewer certifications with us and we've got yeah. him on a couple of projects. Um, and when I was talking to him, when when kind of in the, I don't want to call it like an interview because we just talked on the phone. Right. Um, but he was like, hey, like I have my wife's pregnant. She's due in July. Like, am I able to take one to two days off? I'm like, dude, you better take like, oh, two. No. I'm like, you better take two weeks off. Like, like, absolutely not. Like, you know what projects we have time with your, like with your wife. I'm like, what the fuck? One to two days. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm like, if I, well, I think I took one to two days with Riley, which looking back now, I wish I wouldn't have just because like, you want to make sure that they're okay and all right. of that stuff, but just 
you know, going into the example of care for your people and care for what matters to them too. Yeah, dude, it's, it's funny that it's not funny, but it, uh, you know, and he may have been a little anxious to ask that question of like, is it okay if I take one to two days off? You're like, dude, like we're on the other side of the spectrum. Like, take yeah, that. I'm like, dude, know, I would hope you would take that. Like take a yeah. week, take two weeks. But, you know, it makes you wonder too, of like, you know, some other companies out there that may have a more rigid structure of like, well, yeah. you get, you do get 24 hours and you got to be back. You're not the mother kind of thing. It's just like, well, you know, we, we can also look at this like as a human being and, and see what we can do for you. Correct. Cause you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't mean to pick on him and I'm not picking on him, but just using this as an instance, like that sparked because so we've got two of our guys that are pregnant with it or the guys aren't pregnant, but they're, they're, their wives are you. pregnant. Right. Um, that sparked an idea when I thought of that, when this guy had asked me that I'm like, dude, you get at least a week's paid a maternity leave. Yeah. And then if you want, I mean, you get a week's paid a maternity leave, you get two weeks vacation. I said, use that time up. Like that's yeah. what it's for. And they're like, Oh shit. You know, that's super cool. But I'm like, I'm like, that should be like a standard. <laughs> We're like it. And it's funny because like, I, I look at it from the perspective of like, you and I don't know anything. We're just like, isn't that normal? Yeah. Like, 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 what do you mean? That's not normal. Like, why are you asking me that? You should just be telling me like, Hey, I'm going to use this time with my wife yeah. when she's pregnant, you know? Yeah. And you know, we're at a funny time as well because we do have, you know, smaller businesses, but we're also past the stage of like, I'd say being a super small business. Yeah. And so I, I had this situation too, where, you know, even when like we brought Josie on, she's like, Oh, I almost forgot to ask, like, how does vacation time work? I was like, two weeks. That's yeah. like, I don't know. Like, just <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, how can I, you know, like what do you think is fair and like what do we think is fair and then let's just figure it out from there and but honestly like if yeah if somebody asks for a good reason of like hey could i take these three days it's like usually it won't be an issue yeah i think people have to look at it as what they would want out of an employer right yeah like if you were to ask that question to somebody what would your what would your what would you want that response to be like if i were to ask say you were my employer luke luke Okay, I'm coming on with you full time. What is what is your procedure for vacation? And in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, I've got a wedding that's going to be a couple days. I've got yeah. this going. You know, I think you got to figure it out that way. But to me, I mean, I'm like, I would want maybe two weeks a year, right. you know, and then some sick days or something if those are ever a thing. And you know, obviously, yeah. I, there's more that goes into it. But I think the employers kind of have to look at themselves and what they would expect as well. Yeah. And, and this is definitely like, it changes when you become a big corporation because Correct. you're dealing with a hundred employees and not everyone is like talking to the owner all the time, but yeah. it, uh, but yeah, it, it's almost like the opposite of just, this is a great opportunity when you're a small to medium sized company, when you have 50 employees or less, it's like, you can like help seed that vision with them and just be like, yeah, like what, what would be best for you? And we'll mm -hmm. see if we make it work. And, you know, knowing what you need out of them and what they need to bring to the table. And if you know, you have that person with that character that isn't going to abuse it. Um, you know, there's steps you need to take to make sure that they don't abuse it, but if, if they don't, then why not make them happy? Absolutely. Why not try to take care of them? Yeah. You know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about it, but you don't see a lot of like, 
you hear a lot of talk, but you don't see a lot of results. Yeah. It's kind of just old ways, but also, you know, as an employee, uh, this, this is great. It's all coming full circle as an employee. You can get creative as well. Yep. And, you know, when I was an employee, um, at my job out of college, like I was very creative because it was just like I, the salary couldn't go any higher. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what if production goes higher of me selling this? It's like, yep. well, that'd be great. You can have X amount of percent. So then we just kept negotiating, but it doesn't always have to be black and white. You can make certain um negotiations and you can be creative and then also give yourself time to prove yourself so if you say okay luke i understand you can't pay me this right now what about in six months if i bring this this much business to you or i execute on xyz would that make sense to pay me this absolutely i'd be happy to and then go deliver and then make it happen yeah or related to the construction industry I make this process more seamless to where we're going to save two man hours per guy per week. Right. And I have, or could I get 15% of that? Right. Let's do some simple math here. Say there's, say there's six man hours okay, or six guys, two of them per week for three months. Okay. We'll say that. Okay. So six guys, two man hours a week, three months. It's 144 man hours. Okay. And say you're, say you typically charge $80 a man hour. Yeah. It's $11,520. You'd give them 1700 bucks. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's obviously, that's a tough one too, but like if there's processes that can be figured out in that way in order to save you money, why would you not try to incentivize them to figure those out? Exactly. Like, yes, if you can, if you can figure out how to make and, or save us more time on this, that's cre- that's creating more value for yourself. So I need to pay you more. Right. And it's also them seeing like, um, you know, improvements in the whole process. Be like, right. yeah, honestly, we sit there for like an hour at the beginning of the day and we don't do anything. And it's like, okay, well, how can we like improve the whole process? Because client's going to be happy. The company's going to be happy and the employee's going to be happy. So correct. Just, exactly. yeah, it goes back to that ownership too. Just taking a little bit more ownership of like, okay, well, maybe I do have a little bit more say in some of this. I'm just going to bring it up and see if that's even a possibility and not being entitled to that of like, you're expecting it, but just bringing up different options. And, you know, you and I, as employers, I feel like are very open to just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, let's try it out. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's implement it for all the guys or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Is it going to save us time? Is it going to save us money? Is it going to make a system that develops things to go faster? Absolutely. I'm it. Right. Yeah. Does it improve what we're currently doing? And that's what we're all looking to do is improve our business, improve, you know, the product that we're producing. And yeah, if we can do that, it deserves more. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't know what we're sitting like on time right now, but um we didn't, I wrote down a couple other topics that I wanted to get into. And I want this one, I want to ask the question, right? And for people that are still listening, I want to get their opinion as well. So in the commercial sector, when you put out a bid, right, you have the option to basically back out of a contract. I want to know what other people think, but we had, I'll be vulnerable again. We had an instance with us to where our formula sheet was not calculated correctly. Right. So we sent the bid 
but it missed. Oh, fuck. I want to say we had like $70,000 missing on this. So like big, big, big money. And we weren't even making much at that. And so you have the option to back out of a contract, but we didn't. I was like, no, we are not backing out of this contract. Cause personally, I think that looks terrible. Right. If you're going to put a number in, you got to know what that number is, right? The mistake came from internally. Um, and I think that could be kind of a good topic as well for, you know, maybe if we brought that into a question, like what are other people's thoughts on that? But in my opinion, I think that makes the contractor look less professional yeah, because it's a mistake that they made. Right. And that brings into different questions of, well, you know, you made a mistake. Now you're going to try to change order the shit out of this general contractor to try to make some of that up. No, not necessarily, but I do think we're going to have to try to get really creative in order to try to make some money on this project. It's interesting. I'm excited to see what people say uh, to that because, you know, you do have like the morality behind it of like, okay, we put in our bid, we put in our number, we got to stand by it. And also it was a mistake. So you kind of own that mistake. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see like what people say, especially on a mistake, like relatively that big big mistake i mean like the from where we should have been we should have been like 275 grand on this project Mm -hmm. right and we were at 199 yeah so big that cuts into a big time big so again but when when that happened you know everyone was talking and i was like we we're not gonna back out of that because one i think that makes us look less professional um, and then two, I think that's an opportunity to go to the contractor and be like, Hey, we fucked up on this bid. That's on us, right? Yeah. We're still going to complete it, but we want you to know, you know, we're standing by our, basically our word in this sense, and we're still going to get the project done for you. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're thinking long-term as well. It's like the relationship, the, are you going to burn that professionalism that opportunity and of just like pulling out of the contract or pulling out of the bid and um yeah it's interesting because i feel like a lot of people would say that they're going to do that mm. but when push comes to shove they wouldn't they wouldn't and like when the money's on the table what do you do what do you do and that i mean the reason honestly i i think that we're still going forward with it is because when will told me like, hey, they bid a project and there was like 500 grand or something that they misaccounted for. And he was like, that's not their fault, Luke. We gave them that number. So we're going to do that at that number. And he goes, did we have some change orders? Yeah, but we didn't take them to the bank. You know, we were, we were, we were fair with them. Yeah. But that contractor knew like they were under budget. They still got the project done, but I was upfront with them and said, we fucked up on our end, but we're going to stay true to our word and get it done for you still. Right. Yeah. And to be clear too, it's like, you know, we're not saying there's a right or wrong answer. It's actually just a very interesting question for yeah, debate. It, it's, of like, it's like, what would you do type question? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it isn't easy to just take that on. Like it could literally put you out of business or not you, but somebody. It could, it could put a company out of business. Yeah. That's 70 yeah. grand, hundred percent. Uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what everyone you know, shoots us, just shoot us a message on Instagram and it'll be interesting to see kind of how people would deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. Cause I've got, a, I mean, I've talked to a couple of people on it. They're like, no, you back out of that right away. Yeah. You have every option to, but again, you think long-term because if you send in another bid to this company and you, 
you know, say you back out on this and then you send another bid in, are they going to be like, well, these guys are just going to back out if they're low. So right. why would we even, you know, maybe even look at their number? Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're not in business just for this year. You know, we're, we're looking to be in business for a long time. So correct. Correct. It, and who's, I don't remember who said this to me, but this has stuck with me forever, but that is our tuition to make sure that all of our numbers need to be correct. We need, and I think that was like a last minute one to where it was due at two and we oh, yeah. like one fifty nine. So one of those, which I get it, it happens, but yeah, okay. it's don't let yourself get to that point, you know, yeah, take okay. the steps to where you're going to put yourself maybe a half hour before the time to where you can look through it and make sure everything's there. But yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's just doing your due diligence and uh, yeah, just, I mean, you got to pay that tax and it, it's going to happen and we're going to go through situations like that, but sometimes it, uh, it'll straighten you out for the next one. It will. It will. It'll it'll make you learn a lesson that is not a fun one to learn. Yeah. But then, I mean, you just get so callous from that though, that you're just yeah. like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to do that again. We're going to, yeah, do it. Check it over 30 minutes before it's due, not at 159, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, check it over, just to make sure everything's accounted for. Correct. Um, I saw this on LinkedIn today, but it said, have a short term memory on your losses, but have a photographic memory on your wins. And that one kind of stuck with me too. Meaning like, yep, you're going to, you're obviously lose a lot of projects, but on your wins, make sure you are, you know, make sure you know that process of the win, make sure you know what went in to winning that project. That wasn't Garrett Moss's, was it? It was. Yeah, it was. was, I don't think he said that, but I think he commented on it and sent it to one of his, it's like the, the, the eight signs of a good estimator or something. Yeah. Yeah. I said that to Trevor. I, I know that you had just engaged with his post a couple of days ago. Cause I saw it. I was like, damn. Cause he talked about, I believe he was talking about losing a bid yes. and he's like, yes. yeah, everyone just says go on to the next one. He's like, I care. He's like, I'm competitive. That I, one's, yes. That one's different. Yeah. He, he's like, I, I want to win these bids and I'm going to fight for them. And if I don't get them, it is going to upset me. And I was like, correct. huh, most people wouldn't say that. And I no. love it. You know, but that's so true. It's, yeah. it's having a passion for what you do and trying to dissect what you did this time to maybe what you can do better next time to where yeah. you can win that. Yeah. I feel like I, I love people that speak just transparently and the truth, because so many times we'd hear like, yeah, you got to go to the next one. Just keep putting them out, go to the next one. And that's right as well. But then deep down, you're like, well, shit, I cared a lot about that actually. Like it, I'm competitive, you know? there's a deeper sector to it. Like you and I always talk going deeper into it. Yes. Yeah. You can't dwell on it, right? You lost it. It is what it is, but you can dive into it and be like, what yeah. can I learn from this loss? Yes. Right. It's, it's not the loss that obviously everybody being competitive, it sucks to lose, right? Don't dwell on the loss, dwell yeah. on the opportunity, right. Yes. And then figure out what was, what went wrong with that opportunity. Absolutely. It, you can't just like, uh, shake it off and then just keep going to the next one without learning and implementing something different or something new. You you do need to take the lessons learned from that, from that loss and yeah, use it as the opportunity. And I think that's the exciting thing. Like, even if you have a shitty day, like, okay, how can we use this as an opportunity to have like one of the best days I've ever had tomorrow? And obviously that can be applied to business that can be applied to life, uh, really anything you do and just 
using those mistakes, those failures, whatever it is as an opportunity to double down and like, just crush it on the next one. And just keep growing. Let's keep grow. growing. Keep growing. Beautiful. Well, cool. Luke, I think that's a podcast, my man. Dude, I think that's a wrap. Um, yeah, I guess you've got a big honeymoon coming up. Uh, we've got, I know you and I are talking, we've got some exciting podcasts coming up. We got Dirtbags University like already around the corner again. So we're going to come out with those dates. Um, obviously the last one we had Aaron Witt and Dave Turin, which was electric. Um, yeah, had, I think we had about 50 construction Mm -hmm. owners from all over show up to that, take notes, ask questions, Q and A's. It was awesome. So I know this next one, we're going to be announcing, you know, what we're doing when we're doing it, uh, probably on like the next podcast, I'd think. And then, uh, we'll have the dates secured and everything. So, hell yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a really good one. Um, and yeah, obviously the upcoming guests that we've got, I'm anxious to just kind of dive into, you know, what they have and what they've seen and what they have to offer and just kind of learn it from them. So, yeah, it'll be good, but yeah, man, it congrats again on the wedding and I hope you have a great week, get shit done, but also get ready to come back and we're going to be back on the microphone. So amen, brother.